0: In this episode of the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode 121, never underestimate the power of the dad and child's life with my guest, Brent Dolan from the Fallible Man podcast. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the no Sitting on the Silent like Dad Podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I want to thank you for being here. If this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Really do appreciate it. I know dads and moms and parents we're just busy, especially this time of year. Time of the recordings around the holidays, we're just busy people. So you choosing spend time listening it means a lot. If this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Before we get started with this interview, please check out the YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes for this episode. But the YouTube channel, I started up with some interviews may not be on the podcast, maybe just be on the YouTube channel, maybe both, I'm not quite sure. But there's a lot of good interviews I did with other people, authors, experts, and stuff like that over on the YouTube channel. Check it out. I really appreciate it. Next up, my guest, Brent Darlin the host of the Fallible Man podcast. The Fallible Man podcast is all about topics, about personal development, bettering, being a better father, spouse, gratitude and stuff like that. It's kind of similar about this podcast, but me and Brent had a great conversation on how important it would be as a good father and how important their roles are in the family and, putting the, and also putting the spouse first in the family. It's kind of controversial, but you'll listen more during the interview and he'll explain why. Also, how important is self-care? Sometimes dads don't like doing that with well, self-care, but it's important. It's important too. It's not being selfish. It was a fun conversation, informative with Brent. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the
1: podcast, Brent. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here today.
0: Thank you much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's kind of fun. You know, talking talk to the dad about father stuff and how valuable dads really are. And you, you have a podcast called The Fable Men. How did that come about? Uh, the fallible man. Follow yeah. me yeah.
1: No worries. Um, the fallible man really kind of. I wish I had a good explanation for how that happened. Um, I actually had several people approach me about writing a book about being a husband and uh, male-female relationships and stuff like that. And it started with, I started writing a book that I still haven't finished yet because that's really <laughs> difficult to do, and. I was like, well, if I'm gonna self-publish a book, I should like build some kind of following. So I created the fallible man social media pages first to try and you know start posting and build up some kind of following. So there was an audience when I finished the book. And in the process of building the Instagram and the Facebook and all those things I hate, I thought, you know what? If I wanna build an audience, I should start a podcast, right? I I'm much more comfortable talking to people than I am. Doing social media, just normal social media like Instagram. So, I, I told my wife, "Like, I'm I'm gonna start a podcast." She's like, "Okay, I thought you were writing a book." What are you <laughs> doing it? And I've been doing it for a little over a year now.
0: Well, and what kind of response have you got from us so far?
1: It's been a pretty slow response, but I mean, I think there's like 1.7 million podcasts in the world currently, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, right. So you've been podcasting a while. You know that a lot of people start podcasts get Ten or fifteen episodes in, and just burn out entirely, and so those numbers are lower. But I also pick the hardest demographic because I create content specifically for men and all the phases of their lives. As men, we don't generally like to be told we don't know what we're doing. We don't <laughs> like to be told we need help, or that we might not have all the answers. And so, uh, my wife and I actually joke about it all the time. It's like, "Wow, you picked the hardest possible demographic you could have gotten into." And I was like, "Well." I I try not to do anything too little, so why not?
0: (laughs) Well, I was curious. Why do you think it's the hardest demographic to get into and talk about?
1: It's just our nature as men, right? For some reason, we have gotten to a point in history where men preemptively see any kind of acknowledgement of not knowing what to do or not having the answer as weakness Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or as that we are somehow lacking. In a portion of our life, we seem to think that we need to know everything. And so we are taught systematically that it's not okay to ask for help or to think that we need help or to reach out even. So we have a lot of men out there who, you know, they're they're stumbling through life just like I am. That's why it is the fallible man. And you know, that's that's why I went with went with the name the fallible man is I I know I'm not perfect but I have some experience and I'm good at talking to people and sharing with people. So I thought, well, I can share my journey because this is the journey I'm on as a father, as a husband, as a man. I believe that my family deserves the very best portions of me, which means I have to develop all those portions of me. So we started there and, you know, I talked to a lot of guys and when I talked to them individually, everybody I talked to individually is like, man, this is an awesome idea and it's so necessary. But when you get to a larger scale, it's like, (laughs) No one no one really wants to hit that subscribe because no one said, hey, what what do you what's this uh fallible man podcast you listen to? Oh, well, it's just it's a guy thing. You
0: know. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean being a dad myself as a bob dad podcaster and, and hitting different topics about um being fatherhood and stuff like that. It's an interesting topic, you know, like especially the topic i to bring you on today was to talk about how important dads and kids' lives and how being be involved, dad and stuff like that. And it's interesting, and I was reading something about involved dads direct impact children's future and what they what they become and and what what how they get involved.
1: Oh a hundred percent. It's we can sit here and throw statistics all day. Um because we're both in this, right? I do a lot of research. I'm I'm a guy, I like numbers. Numbers Mm -hmm. are something I can really I'm also an IT guy in my professional life. And so I'm really big into, you know hard statistics that I can crunch and the statistics of the difference of father in the home makes are just astronomical. Um, Kids are four times at greater risk of poverty without a father in the home. Teens are seven times more likely to become pregnant without a father in the home. Uh, Kids are more likely actually develop behavioral problems without a father. They're more likely to do well academically with a father in the house. So, I mean, we can go into long, deep statistics on that if you'd like to, but I don't think there's a real end to it. There's, there's a balance in the world. The design is a male and female of every species, right? Mm -hmm. If you look throughout all of nature, that's what you see is a male and a female, the species come together and produce an offspring. That offspring needs a balance or it's incomplete. And so as a former youth minister, I used to see this all the time in <laughs> homes without dads. So
0: what was interesting too, I was reading a little bit about it, It's like cognitive development. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that important that is with cognitive development, educational achievement. And, um, I was interested I was, I was interesting too. I mean, mom's pushed. Sometimes I think I was pushed my mom to do my homework, do your homework, do your homework. And my dad's like, well, my, I come from a, um, a divorced parents myself. So, and my mom was more than one person in charge because of divorce situation low self-esteem as, as not having a dad around. That's mm-hmm. interesting too. And like you said before, discipline, like social behaviors, like, you know, pregnancy, um, discipline problems in school, like getting in trouble, getting into the, into the wrong crowds and stuff like that.
1: The, I mean, statistically you're twice as likely to drop out of school without a dad in the home. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we really wanted, to like dig in deeper, mm-hmm. almost all of the school shootings that have happened have been involved in those homes. There is a lack of, like I said, a a mother is equally important. I would never, ever try and belittle the importance and criticality of a mother, Mm -hmm. but a father is equal to that. It's, it's different roles is different purposes, but a father is every bit equal in raising a child. And you can tell the difference with kids who don't have dads in the home and even kids whose dads are physically there, but they're distant or absent all the time
0: was interested too. I, I have another one too. I read about the about the, It was the seven top things kids need from dads. And I thought it was really cool because they're big bear hugs, physical affection from the dad. You know, I, I love you. I'll give you a big bear hug, rough and tumble play. Like I did that with my son today because he was kind of being a, a you know, being eight and he was hit me with a pill. So you're going to get that. We'll, we'll tumble playing, laughing, giggling and stuff like that. And, um, you know, strength them strength. How to get over adversity. Adversity and stuff like that. I think dads are really good at that.
1: There was a saying, um, I so I'm a movie buff. Mm-hmm. Like, I love movies. <laughs> I don't get to watch as many as I used to with, with working a job and trying to build my own podcast, but my kids love there was a movie that The Rock did several years ago called uh oh, man. I, I had to go blank. Uh my kids would kill me. He was a quarterback, <laughs> and he finds out he has a daughter mm-hmm. that his ex never told him about. And at one point, like he is just, she shows up on his doorstep. Her guardian has no idea where she's at, and so all of a sudden, this guy who's about to play for the playoffs as the quarterback for this made-up team is going from living the high life as a star quarterback to trying to raise like I think there's set like seven or eight in the show, <laughs> and at one point he's just, he's frustrated and he doesn't know what to do. And he's talking to a woman and she says, don't ever underestimate the power of the father because fathers give us strength. Fathers teach us fathers, are the ones that pick you up and give you courage to do stuff you thought you could never do. And I mean, that line is just stuck in my head for years.
0: (laughs) It's true. It it is true. I mean, like my son, he's right behind me listening to what I'm talking about. So, they will probably ask why you say that dad, but cause I said that dad <laughs> and stuff like that, give him a hug, um, pick him up when he's sad and, um, you know, lead him in the right direction as much as I can and being there. I think that's one of the, one of the important things too about being a dad is being present, even though you're tired mm-hmm. and, and, you know, be a million things you want to do, put the phone down and be present.
1: I'm, I am a big advocate for learning to be present in the moment. Uh, I I work in the IT industry, like I said, for my nine to five job. And so technology is part of my life and doing this, you know, I'm on social media a lot, trying to promote my podcast and make connections with people. And I've had to actively make it a conscientious, conscientious choice to be attentive to the room and know when I need to put my phone down because I've got a seven year old and a nine year old and they're Mm -hmm. Always watching, right? Yep. And if you're sitting there watching something on TV with them, they know you're not watching when you're staring at your phone. You <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you've seen the show a hundred times. You're watching something with them. They want you to be with them, not on your phone. And it's... in our fast-paced lifestyle, we've really lost that, right? We're not good at being in the moment.
0: No, no, it's no, we're not because it, it, this little thing called the, the phone just dist- distract us all the time. The the be- 'Cause we always want to know what's going on in Facebook and really it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. I don't care. I mean, I admit it. I'll 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 be I'll come out and say, listen, I go down the TikTok rabbit hole all the time. And all of a sudden I'm going flip, 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 and a half hour goes by going, I just wasted half hour of my life.
1: <laughs> I actually am trying uh, slowly to prune off. Uh I was I watched a or listened to a podcast Tim Ferris did, and he talked about the on his phone he has one-way apps that's mm-hmm. it social media he doesn't have the facebook app he's got his app that lets him post to his social media but he doesn't have any social media apps on his phone and so i'm actually trying to prune my phone down because i have my one-way apps where i can post to my social medias without getting on them just because i mean they're they're designed to be addictive the people who came up with the design for social media apps designed them to stimulate your brain and stimulate that reward uh, chemical, right? It's, I mean, that's that's what likes are about on Facebook and on Instagram. That's what you know, reposts are about. They're all about rewarding you and stimulating that positive reward response in your head. So the dopamine response, right? So you keep doing it. And it's actually like, I had a conversation with a psychiatrist and I asked him, was like, do you really believe that social media addiction is a thing now? And he was like, absolutely. I mean, just a hundred percent. They're almost as addictive as drugs, if not more for some people, because some people crave recognition more than they crave even the chemical high.
0: Well, there's an interesting thing too about social media and stuff like that, because my son wants to start a YouTube channel, bottle flipping, flipping the bottles and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. said, I do it them. we haven't done it yet, but we're going to do it. And, but social media now we see with all the kids on it doing really, really insane stuff. And they don't realize, I mean, more the older kids and the younger kids, but the older kids do it. And I don't think some of those kids realize that's going to follow them the rest of their lives.
1: Oh yeah. I, I think personally, you and I grew up in a better time period for that before social media was a major part of our lives. Right. If you and I screwed up growing up, is stay with our friends. And, you know, I, I still got childhood friends. I actually recently reconnected with one of my best friends. And, man, we can tell stories on each other.
2: <laughs>
1: now when we both have kids, I mean, we can tell the stories on each other. But that's where it stops, right? Those embarrassing moments, those mistakes, those, ooh, I'm glad there wasn't a camera around" moments where we <laughs> probably shouldn't, right? That, that's gone. But now everything is immortalized. Like everybody has a camera in their hand. I got my nine-year-old telling me she needs a cell phone. It's like, <laughs>
2: no, <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> that's,
1: that's not happening. Well, well, my friend, I, I don't care. It's, that's not happening.
0: It, it's just an interesting thing. What are some fun things like you as a father yourself, what are some things you enjoy doing with your kids?
1: Oh, man, there's not enough time with my kids. Honestly, they are the center of my universe. I've actually had to guard my relationship as a husband with my wife. hmm because I will actually neglect my wife on the side of spending time with my kids sometimes. So I really have to pay attention because I just, I love every second I get with my children, but we do all kinds of things. So I do obstacle course events,
2: mm-hmm.
1: tough mutter Spartan, and my children do too. So oh, my cool. seven year old and nine year old have both done children's Spartan races. Oh wow. We actually just had a, my car broke down last weekend on the way to take them to their first children's tough mutter. <laughs> So disappointed that they didn't get to go because it was the first time they were going to do a kid's tough mutter. So we like to do that. I mean, my backyard, other than the fact that my dog has destroyed all the grass, (laughs) is playing playground. I've got a big, big toy back there. I've got ropes for them to climb in trees. I've got tires for them to play on and flip. You know, the good, dirty stuff we played with as kids. Mm -hmm. My seven year, nine year old are tomboys and tutus. <laughs> they, they love to play in the dirt and the mud. They love to get dirty. They love to run and play. Um, my mother is not fond of how often they like to make fart jokes. <laughs> we uh, learn. They learn I, that from
0: dads. We learn that from dads.
1: Dads and uncles for sure. Uh, we got a couple uncles around the house frequently enough that love fart jokes. So,
0: <laughs> well, you know, dads. We teach those things. We do the, the funny jokes or we say the funny things and get them going. And mother's like, Hey, what are you teasing that for? And stuff like that. Cause we're just known for that. That's, that's part of being a dad. We do the silly things.
1: Well, so my, my mom actually lives with us. Um, my wife actually doesn't get on me too, about it too much, mm-hmm. but my mom, and uh, until recently, my father who passed away the summer live with us. So my wife tolerates me being stupid with my kids. My mom, I, I can see her rolling her eyes every now and then. Cause
2: <laughs> you know,
1: I, I, I play with them like boys and the, uh, do all those good things like make fart jokes but you know we love to i i you were talking about wrestling with your son earlier i, I wrestle and play with my kid with my daughters just like they're her boys we run and play tag i love i actually had to i have gotten so busy that i actually block off so wednesday afternoon when i get home from my nine to five job mm-hmm. there is nothing until my children go to bed that is their time strictly it's literally blocked off on of my calendar to make sure that i'm adequately spending time with them Uh, so from the time I get off work at like four o'clock on Wednesday until they go to bed around eight, that's, that's their time. Sometimes we cut up and watch movies. Sometimes we do other stuff, but that is purely their time. Uh, but I mean, we, we get into all kinds of mischief. My daughters do burpees for punishment.
0: (laughs) That's a good way. That's a good way to discipline. I can teach my son that hope he doesn't hear me, but we, but I'm saying, The discipline is, that's a good burpees, you know, it's important. And how important is discipline to you, your kids?
1: I think discipline is critical. Um, So I'm, I'm 41 years old. My father was a minister. I grew up in small churches my whole life. And, you know, the kind of churches where you've got anywhere from 30 to 100 people. And so a very small handful of people do a lot of it. I actually started working in the children's programs when I was still 11. I would help my mom teach cradle roll and stuff like that preschool. I actually took over running my first youth group when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so at 19, I was running the teen program and the children's program and doing stuff. Besides my normal job, I was working at 19. I was spending another 40 or 50 hours a week working with teens in my church and kids, teaching the children's program, stuff like that. And so I've been around kids my whole life, and they've always been a big part of my life, even before I had children and you can tell kids who don't have discipline right you can tell kids it it doesn't take a whole lot of expertise but if you work around kids at all it's instantly obvious for you which kids actually have discipline at home which kids are just allowed to run amok and do whatever they want with no repercussions um i worked with some teenagers that man i i was a wake-up call for them Mm -hmm. I pulled over on the side of the interstate one time, and made a kid get out and do 40 pushups. Oh, wow. Because he kept cutting out a line and cutting out a line. That was one of the repercussions because as a youth minister, it's not like I could do corporal punishment. I couldn't like, you know, spank them mm-hmm. in their teenagers. I wouldn't do that anyway. And so the biggest stick I had was, well, okay, you broke the rules. You're going to do push-ups, And if you don't, you can leave my class. That Those are the options. This or that, make the choice. And he did not think I would do it. We were on the way to a youth event. And I pulled off on the side of I-90, mm-hmm. which runs, you know, from co- from uh, north to south border, all the way down the west coast. Four lanes wide, most of the way. Most of the way. Sometimes it's like six or eight lanes wide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Pulled off on the side of the interstate, made him get off on the grass side of the car and knock out 40 pushups with the threat of turning the entire trip around and all of us having to go back.
0: Oh, wow. No pressure or anything. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And I... Really, I used uh, peer pressure inside the group to enforce these rules because I could only do so much. It was effective because kids are better at policing each other when there's something on the line.
0: I was wondering, sorry, but I wonder about the result of that. You just mentioned that too and stuff like that. How was your dad growing up? How was he as a disciplinary?
1: You know, I was raised in a very Southern household. And honestly, once we got past a certain point, there wasn't a lot of discipline that had to happen. I was raised with a very healthy respect for my parents. We were their children. We followed their rules. We did what they told us to do. Now, that's not to say that I wasn't the black sheet of the family because I
2: was.
1: (laughs) Um, I was just really good at hiding my indiscretions because I mainly because I didn't want to to blow back on my dad, right? When you're the minister, everything your children do is your fault. Like I was never held accountable, but the church would hold him accountable. Being a, being a preacher's kid is actually really difficult because everything falls on your dad. It's, you, you can commit murder. They're, they're going to blame your dad. Um, you you are screwing up, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's no, no your child has some free will. Yeah. So we were raised with understanding my father's role. And from the get-go, the only time, my, my father was a kind, kind soul. Like he was super slow to anger always very patient, always made time for us. And the only time I ever saw him mad is if I popped off at my mom. Mm -hmm. If I disrespected my mother, we went from zero to 100 that quick. I mean, just in a blink of an eye It's the only time I ever saw that man get really angry. Uh, Disrespecting my mother was not allowed. And so my father just set the precedent from the beginning. This is my house. You are my children. You will listen. Uh, There were spankings when we were younger, which I think is honestly healthy. I'm flabbergasted by this whole movement of spankings are cruel. And no, they're not. My
0: parents spanked me. (laughs) I got spanked too. But I also, I mean, it's a tool. I don't think some people, some people do it like, Hey, Johnny, you did something. And they're really angry and they smack the kid. I think that's, that's more out of anger. That's more about you than it is the kid.
1: Absolutely. And I agree a hundred percent. There is every bit a huge difference between spanking as the set punishment, but the attitude of the parent. You should never spank a child just instantaneously um, with my daughters, I've always tried to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. There have been times where it's been quick, but it was more of you already know what's going on i don't we we don't need to have a conversation because we've had this conversation ten times
2: mm-hmm.
1: um. And there's a difference between spanking a child and hitting a child. You know, I was never hurt. I was never injured. My father was never physical enough with us that we got hurt or it left any kind of mark or uh, anything like that. And it's the way I've been with my kids. It's enough to get their attention. It's never enough to actually hurt them. It's more of a momentary startlement with just a slight, oh, (laughs) awareness. Um, and I, I've seen people, I've seen parents who are just, uh, one of my best friends is like, yeah, my, my parents used to spank me with a switch. I was like, Oh, that's, that's a little (laughs) extreme. And then the first time I saw him without his shirt, I'm like, you said spank. You didn't say like, cane, you dude? Like he has scars.
0: That's, that's a little bit too much.
1: That's way too much. Like, I mean, that, that was child abuse.
0: Hey, Definitely. Definitely. I've seen people. Um, growing up, my stepfather we used to be, um, you know, spanked, we had a, a, we had a sticker above the door with the rules and stuff and you got whacked. And, um, one time he had a brother so hard that he couldn't sit down, literally sit down for a week. He had imprints on the, on his uh, the backside of him. And I think that's a little bit too much. I mean, that I, is, that's a little bit too much. The, the one thing you mentioned, and I wanted to touch a little bit upon was, um, but we, the father, if you were a disrespected mother, he would go over a hundred. But what is the you know father respecting his wife is setting a good example, especially you having daughters.
1: Oh, it's it's absolutely critical. Um, My wife and I actually just sat through a uh, parenting course at our church, uh, and we had a great time doing it. Uh, It was some course by the Focus on the Family group, Mm -hmm. but it was like a eight week study, and there was a little book and some videos every week, and we discussed things. And that was one of the things that really came out in that that really just i kind of lit up when i heard it as it was talking about making sure that your children understand they are second to your marriage because in the long run that actually does more for them it it helps them have better marriages it helps them understand their place in the world right my wife and i have been married for 20 years oh wow uh we're 20 and a half at this and. We've known each other for 23. We've been, we're, we were working on it for about three years before we got married. And she is going to be with me after my children have grown up and gone to college and moved off and got married. And I, even, I hate even thinking about that.
2: Thought.
1: But, you know, they're, they're seven or nine. I don't even want to think about my little girls getting married. But every day, the way I treat their mother, I am setting an expectation for the way their husbands will treat them. I'm setting an expectation for the way they will allow a man to interact with them. Uh, you said you were on my website earlier and I have a bunch of merchandise. I actually have a shirt that says Memento Mori, right? The old famous saying, you know, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. On the bottom it, it says, live your life in a way that your sons want to be you. and Your daughters will accept nothing less than you.
0: Wow. That's a good one. That is
1: the approach to my entire podcast would be better, you know, be better tomorrow because what you do today is constant improvement. I want to set the bar so high that my daughters can't help but find a great man, <laughs> right? I'm I, I want that measuring stick. Superman, better watch out! I'm coming for the title <laughs> because I am thinking about at my children, seven and nine. I am thinking about that's that's where the fallible man really started. Honestly was looking at, you know, my wife's friends asking about relationships. And I started looking at my nieces who are all adults now on one side of the family. The youngest one's 21. I'm looking at the guys they're bringing home. You combine that with the whole, you know, my wife's friends asking about relationship advice and stuff like that is like, Oh, okay. Well, there's definitely a downturn in the way men are doing things. Let's start trying to build a better example. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And With that, I'm also trying to set the example for my daughters. So. I'm trying to set the example in the way I treat their mother, because that is the expectation they will have of their husbands. I'm trying to set the example because I found something that needed help in the world as far as I'm concerned. And so instead of talking about doing it, I'm trying to do something about it. And I may never reach grandiose goals, right? But if I can help one young man be a better person, a better husband, a better father, then it's all worthwhile. These are the examples I'm trying to teach my children.
0: Well, one thing as a dad too, sometimes I think it's a, one thing, a topic we don't really talk about is taking time off for self-care for yourself, taking a minute to take a breather, take, and um, maybe learn something. How important do you think that is?
1: I I think it's critical. Um, <laughs> man, your your questions just keep rolling right back into what I do. So I don't <laughs> know if you planned that or said that's the way it was going, but. Uh, I actually just did a podcast on this two weeks ago called Be Selfish, because everybody will call it selfish the minute you try and separate time out for yourself. But you got to look at yourself as a rechargeable battery, mm-hmm. right? There, There is a finite amount of energy. And if you just keep giving and giving and giving and giving, which is the standard protocol for most men, right? We are told to give until we break. That is the way we are raised by society, give, 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 produce, 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 and collapse. That's why we have guys dropping heart attacks at 50 and 60. We are just hardwired to keep trying to provide and just give and give and give. But if you don't take time to put back into you, then then what can you give, right? I was a construction worker for years and now I work in IT. I took a year and a half and I busted my butt and I read and I studied. And anytime I wasn't working, I studied with a friend of mine who was kind of mentoring me in it. And I upgraded because I needed to make a better income without the physical toll on my body. Uh, I have played hard my whole life. And at this point at 41, I broke my spine twice. Oh, wow. I I broke my C5 in my neck in the weight room back in January of 2020. And I broke my L3, fractured my L3, I think in 2002 or 2003. And so, you know, I could only take the physical beating of crawling up in rafters and down in utility vaults so long. My friend's like, you're killing yourself, man. You got to fix it. You got to do something else. Mm
0: -hmm. Every
1: time you put back into yourself, I'm giving some to my wife that way, right? Because I chose to improve myself and get a better job and educate myself some, my wife has been able to stay home with our children and be a stay-at-home mom, which was important to both of us. I know it's very difficult to do, and I don't fault people who can't do it. But I also know the difference between parents that have a stay-at-home mom and those who don't are at least a parent. I'm okay with stay-at-home dads. Mm -hmm. Some some women just have really high line jobs, and you know, but I know the difference between children who have somebody at home with them, at least in the formative years and those who don't. And it's really hard to do these days, but by improving myself, I gave that to my wife and I gave that to my children. By going to the gym, I can keep moving and I can play with my kids, even though I've broken myself so severely multiple times, I can still keep playing with my kids. My chiropractor is like, you should be in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) God smiles on stupid people because you keep walking, Dallin. And it's, you know, because I have had so many major injuries. Um, I actually have a, you, you can't see it with a haircut. I actually have a indentation in my skull. Oh, wow. I have busted my head open at least nine times. I have massive scarring back here in the back. I fell 20 feet and hit a church pew in my head. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I keep walking. And the reason I keep walking is I keep going to the gym. If I stop and lose some of the muscle tone, like I actually start having major back pain. I've woken up and not been able to feel my legs before because of the injuries. And so I got to keep taking care of myself. I got to keep getting better so I can make more money. I got to keep getting better so I can keep playing with my kids. I think self-care is critically underrated. We are just pushed and pushed and pushed to keep producing, but you can only go so long before the battery runs out.
0: Oh, it was like giving we're we're not putting ourselves first, we're putting everything else everything everything in like um job kids, family, financial situations, everything for us but ourselves and if we don't can't take care of ourselves, we're gonna be in big trouble because nobody we can't take care of everybody else
1: right and we're taught is inherently noble right yeah, <laughs> give to the company, give to your family give to you are sacrificing for the greater good of everybody uh, yeah, but you know I can sacrifice for forty years or I can sacrifice for seventy years because i you know, took a little time to go to the gym and a little time to eat better and try and get my weight under control. That's a battle I'm working on is trying to keep my weight under control. You know, it's, you can give to your kids for 40 years, or your family for 40 years, or you can give to them for 70 years. The choice is really up to you. Even more so if, if you, you can break yourself mentally before that ever happens.
0: Well, it's interesting too. And I wonder not this may have to do with anything. I'm not quite sure is in the background, I see a picture of a lion. Does that have any meaning to you?
1: It actually has a lot of meaning to me. My wife bought that for me because she knew I would just lose my mind over it. Um, not just the lion picture, but the style of artwork too, mm-hmm. but the lion specifically. Because to me, that is there's an inherent nobility to an animal that knows what it is. And it's, it's not because lions are like the king of the jungle, which is funny <laughs> since they live on the savannah we need to work on geography in school
2: apparently
1: (laughs) but lions lions play their role and they're unapologetic about it right lions to me are i hate to throw away on the term alpha or beta because i think that's overused and Mm -hmm. constantly used out of context but lions are the ultimate alpha right lions know their place in their pride they rule their pride it is absolutely theirs the only time lions male lions do anything right is to fight other males to make sure that they don't take their pride or to defend the pride male lions actually do more defending of the cubs than the females do because the females are usually out hunting
2: mm-hmm.
1: they sleep tons of time because it takes so much energy to come with that kind of raw power i mean we're talking about hundreds of pounds of just raw force and power right and so they sleep, they don't apologize for sleeping, they don't apologize for eating, because their job is to protect, it's not to hunt, it's not to, their job is to protect. And no lion walks around the Savannah going, look at me, I'm a lion part <laughs> the way, right? No one, a lion doesn't have to go, I, I'm a lion, give me some respect. Every animal out there knows exactly, I should give him a wide berth, right? Yeah. So to me, there's an inherent nobility because it just plays its role. It doesn't try and be more. It doesn't apologize for being what it is. It just plays its role quietly. There's a quiet power behind a lion. Um, actually, you asked, step back.
0: <laughs> the, um, the, the tattoo on your arm, that's pretty interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: for, for all those who are listening, I, I have a big lion tattoo on my left shoulder. Um, it actually has a tough mudder headband on, but <laughs> ability to it to just be what you're supposed to be.
0: Well, I was watching a video, like I said, I got done working on the TikTok um, rabbit hole, and there was a lion who was cornered by three, or oh, four tigers, and he defend himself. And they all went the other direction. I mean, a lion just the, the tigers are like, and tigers are pretty strong cats too, and then oh, he did yeah. and they're like, oh, we want none of that. We want none of that. <laughs>
1: Well, and surprising. Like tigers, depending on the breed of tiger, can be bigger than a lion.
0: Yeah, these ones were, they're pretty big. And
1: but there, that's that's thing is you know lion, lions burn so much energy when they go on the offense. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. That's why they sleep so much. They sleep and they eat because when they have to perform, it's full throttle and it is raw, raw power. And every animal knows it. Even a big bull elephant will try not to go to head to head with a lion. I mean, you, this is an animal that could step on a lion before it could get to anything vital for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. But as scary. And I mean, elephants do more damage in Africa every year to people and property than lions ever do.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, I had the privilege of talking to a guy who actually worked in elephant and lion conservation uh, on my podcast one day. And elephants do far more damage, right? And they're far scarier. Hippos kill more people than lions, right? They're, lions are pretty reserved. They do their thing. But when it comes time to go, it's, (laughs) it's all power and teeth, man. They're, they're just, and so it lives his life. I I have the same feeling about sharks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I get it. Sharks are scary. I I don't don't ever want to come face to face with one, Uh but you know, sharks just go about their life doing what they were made to do. And I think that there's an inherent nobility to understanding who you are and what your purpose is. Right. And for me, a lion just embodies that they understand exactly. This is who I am. This is what I do. I protect my pride. I protect what is mine. I protect my cubs. I defend my territory when necessary, but I saw a, a video of a lion and a lion is walking kind of down a dirt road. And these ruler beasts were kind of pushing in on it, trying to crowd, push it out right of the area. Mm-hmm. They walked and they walked, and the wilder priest got started getting a little bolder. Yeah, you're running away. All of a sudden, the big male lion pivoted on one leg, came around 180 degrees, took three leaps forward, and scattered the entire herd.
0: <laughs> he knew what they—they knew what was up after that when he turned around.
1: Yep, and and then he turned around and just kept walking. <laughs> but it's like
0: it's—it's it's similar being a father. Like when you're talking about, it, I think about being a dad and protecting your family, you know, being, you know, Cubs. And I can see the, the similarity of being a father.
1: Oh, I, I think so. And I think that's part of the reason. I can honestly say from the time I was about 12, I remember one of my earlier memories, uh, like decisive memories. So my goal was one day to be an amazing father and amazing husband. Like that has been my biggest ambition in my whole life. Other people dream about going like being an astronaut or doing this and that. I can honestly say all the way back to 11 or 12. I remember my greatest ambition was to be a father and to be a husband and a good one. I want growing up a preacher's kid. You go around a lot of funerals. Mm -hmm. My dad did a lot of funerals. And so I've heard a lot of epitaphs. I've heard a lot of eulogies and I decided when I was either 11 or 12, it's like, if I get to the end, and they can honestly stand over my casket and say he was a great father and a great husband. Everything else is gone after that. I, I don't care. There, there's nothing left for me after that because those are the two great measuring sticks. I'd like for people to be able to say that he was a great man who was kind to people and, you know, that kind of good stuff, right? But if they can only measure that I was a great father, and I was a great husband, despite all my faults, then I've lived my life well. And so that that's been one of my longest ambitions with this. And to me, that's right. It's an embodiment as a dad. To me, it's such a clear cut. Being a father is such a clear cut mission to me. I remember at one point realizing it's like you know, if I grow up to be half the man my dad is, mm-hmm. I will have done so well. I, I was I think twenty twenty years old when I was facing a personal crisis and. Like my life was just broken at the time. Uh, There was no future. My future was very sketchy at best of the moment. And I remember thinking, if I can become half the man my father is, I've done well in my life. I can't remember when my dad wasn't there for us. I can't remember when we weren't a priority to him. I can't remember when he didn't just lavish love and affection and caring on my mother, on my siblings and I we were always number one. And so, you know, it's just been a guidance throughout my whole life. It's, I look at that and I look at, now it's my turn to set that example for my children, right? I want my children to see how I treat them because I'm not just raising my children. I'm raising my grandchildren.
0: And the future generations set an example right now, building a better foundation. Well, I would say, give me final thoughts, but I think you just gave me my final thoughts already. So I want to, I want to ask final thoughts this time, okay. you, but, <laughs> but also ask about the Mohawk. Look at you. <laughs> well, the and the Mohawk, I just, I, I knew that was part of the thing and stuff like that. Um, where they can find more about you, where they can reach out and ask questions.
1: I am at the fallible man everywhere except for Facebook, because I I'm dumb and screwed up Facebook when I got on it. So I'm, <laughs> at Fallible Man on Facebook. Everywhere else, I'm on nine or eight different social media platforms at, at The Fallible Man. But The best way to find me is go to www.thefallibleman.com is my website. Um, and I'm there. You know, We've got a live YouTube show on Mondays. We've got a podcast on Wednesdays and another video on Fridays. And I info at The Fallible Man. I, I love to have a conversation. I want to talk to people. I want to share with people and encourage them.
0: Well, Brent, thank you much for being on the podcast this evening. I really do appreciate you sharing spending time. All the links will be in the show notes for this episode. I really appreciate your time, Troy. Thank you. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Brent Garland for being the guest on the podcast. You can find more about him over at thefallibleman.com. Also, check out his podcast, too, The Fallible Man Podcast. He also does live shows. And check that out, too, over his website. Please reach out if you have any comments or questions or just want to say hello. Leave the comments in the show notes over at no Also, you can find all my contact information at no Final thoughts Dads play an important role in a child's life. No discounting mothers, which is important. But each father, each, I mean, each parent plays a certain role in the family. When dads are missing, usually there's bad consequences such as not doing well in school, behavior issues, confidence issues, you name it. Dads should be recognizing how important their role is in their child's life. It's really important, especially nowadays. All things go in the world, and dads are missing. There's probably the reason why the kid's acting up. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them how much you love them. God bless. See ya.